Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Whenever I was uh, in high school, I, I graduated in in May of, of 2013 and from high school, and... Uh, but, and uh, the very next, uh, I, I, I was so glad to be out of high school and out of the small town of Big Lake, Texas, nothing against it, loved living there, growing up there, but I was so ready to leave that I started school in the second summer session at uh, Texas Tech University, is the only place that let me in, and um, Anyway, I, I got there, and, and my girlfriend actually went there also, and the funny thing about it was we didn't plan on that because she, she was the valedictorian, and, and, I, and I wasn't, and um, so the fact that I got into the same college as her was, was pretty phenomenal, but uh, anyway, we went up there, and this was the girl that I was going to marry. I mean, I, I really did. I, I had actually talked to another friend of mine while I was still a senior in high school, and I said, man, I... I, I want to marry this girl. And so, anyway, we got up to Texas Tech, and we started, and one of the first things I did in the second summer session was I, I went and found me a job, and, and where I found a job was at a horse auction. And so I went to this horse auction, and I said, hey, man, you need some help? And he said, not really. I said, man, I'll do whatever you need me to do. Man, I need, I need me a job. And he said, well, you can go mow my grass. I said, I'll sweep your floor and vacuum your house. I don't care what it is, man. I need a job. And so anyway, that's how I got into the horse auction. And you know, when you go to a college town, every, every college freshman with a hat on goes to the cow sale and the horse sale to get a job. But I was the only one willing to go mop floors and, and uh, mow grass. And I did that the rest of the summer. That was my job, was basically the groundskeeper for this horse auction. But I, since I did a good job with that, I started getting to ride some horses in the ring. Don't ever do that. You don't want that job, okay? I'm just saying. If you've never been to a horse auction, you do. That five bucks that they give you to do it is not worth it, okay? Does he ride? Well, yeah, he rides. <laughs> that means you can put a saddle on it when it's snubbed in a chute. And so, anyway, I went from there to taking bids, and I even helped out uh, uh, in the office, and, and, I, and I stayed there for a long time, but one time we were on our way home uh, on a weekend, and uh, I told my girlfriend we were driving along, she goes, you're pretty quiet. I said, yeah, I just, there's something I've been really thinking about, and she goes, what is it? And I said, I hate school. She said, well, what do you mean? I said, it's, it's nothing against it, and I did really well in school. I was carrying a four-point uh, through, my, through my first summer session, that one class, and um, about halfway through this, about halfway through first couple of weeks, and so anyway, I was carrying four point, and um, I told her I said it's not that I dislike the school, but when I'm sitting there in class, all I want to do is I just want to go cowboy. And she said that doesn't sound like a very bright future. And I was like, really, it sounds great to me. And so anyway, I started praying. And back then, I haven't always been a preacher, guys. I was. Well, we won't get into who I was, but I wasn't a preacher. I guarantee you that. I wasn't a preacher. But I started praying, and, and, I, and I was like, God, you know, will you just please open up a door for me and, and, and all of this stuff? And then one day, 
an ex-uncle of mine, a guy that was married to my dad's oldest sister, called me one day, and this is before cell phones, and anyway, before caller ID, and when you had to answer the phone and you said stuff like, hello, and you didn't know who was on the other end, it's crazy back then. And so I answered it, and he said, Kevin? I said, yeah, he said, this is Mike McMurray. And I said, hello, Mike. He said, I knew I knew somebody in Lubbock. I'm here for a little conference. You want to have breakfast? I said, you bet I want to have breakfast. So we met at the IHOP across uh, at about 16th and University, wherever that is, and, and I met him at the IHOP, and we were sitting there, and he said, uh, well, what do you plan on doing? And I said, well, you know, I don't know. Uh, just, I don't know. And he said, well, you know, the other day, that ranch I used to manage whenever I was married to your aunt, he said, that owner called me the other day, and he's looking for a cowboy. He said, you ever thought about getting a ranch job and going to work on a big South Texas ranch? I said, yeah, I've thought about it. I've thought about it. Do you want a ranch job? Some of the most powerful words ever spoken by Jesus comes from a little verse that no one ever talks about. As a matter of fact, if you've read much of the good book, if you've read the gospel of John, you have actually read this verse. And if you're like me, uh, you probably don't even remember it. It is not one of these. It's, you know, people don't hold this verse up at sporting events or anything like that. It, it's, it's one of the most simple little verses. But in this verse, I believe that this verse holds the key to our faith. It holds the key to our understanding. It holds the key to our hope, and it holds the key to our future. And a little unknown verse that people just skim right over, and they don't think twice about it. But when you dive into this verse, it says so many things. Let me see if I can set the scene up for this verse, okay? So, so Jesus um, in, in the Gospel of John, man, John talks about in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and everything. And then he, nothing about Jesus' birth or anything like that. And, and before verse 39, uh, John has already talked about Jesus' uh, baptism and everything. He talks about John saying, behold, the Lamb of God that's going to take away the sins of the world. John has told his disciples, man, I'm not the Messiah. I'm not the one you're looking for. The one that you're looking for, I am paving his way. I'm pointing the way to him. And, and, and John sees him. And there's two of John's disciples. One of them, name is Andy. Now that's not his Hebrew name, but that's what we're going to call him. Your Bibles might call him Andrew. But Andrew and another guy see what John the baptizer has said about this fellow named Jesus, that he's the Lamb of God come to take the sins of the world away. And they go up to him, and Andrew asks him a simple question, and everything is in Jesus' answer. And I know when I tell you, you're going to be like, what? Come on, man. How are you going to get all of that out of this? But I want you to put your, your, your mind in the right place when we talk about following Jesus. Because the way Jesus called his first disciples, it has never changed in over 2,000 years. Jesus is still calling his disciples the same way, with the same requirements, with the same benefits as the very first one, Andrew, that walks up to Jesus and asks him a simple question. He said, where are you staying? Jesus looked at him and said, come and you'll see. 
Now, there's a lot to be said in what Jesus meant by that. What he said is, see, Andrew was kind of saying, tell me about your ministry. Well, hey, where are you staying? Because, see, rabbis, man, rabbis were big in Jerusalem. And to be, to be a follower of a rabbi, man, like Gamaliel, the one that Paul followed, man, you had to fill out these resumes, and you had to have, like, the first four books of the Old Testament memorized just to study under a rabbi. And here's this carpenter, man, he's got calluses on his hands, man, and he looks different, and he talks different, and, and, and one of the most famous religious people in Israel at the time, John the Baptist, is saying, this is the, this is the Messiah, and Andrew walks up, and he says, hey, man, where are you staying? In other words, man, have you, you got any disciples yet, man? Yeah, there's a, it was a loaded question, but Jesus didn't answer it. He said, come, and you'll see, because let's think about that right there, because later in John, uh, John says uh, that Jesus says, John says that Jesus says that foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Because if Jesus was to answer that, Andrew's like, well, you're a rabbi, so where are you staying? Tell me about your instructional program. Let's talk about your discipleship making. So if Jesus was to answer that, really, he would have said something like, well, look, we really don't have a place to stay, okay? We're going to basically be homeless, okay? We're not going to have any money. We're going to like feed like 5,000 people one day, and then I'm going to ask you all to serve 5,000 people, and then I'm going to ask you to clean up after them also. So would you like to be my disciple? Andy would have been like, yeah, we'd be seeing you, dude. I'm going off this way. And Jesus knew it. But think about this. Jesus didn't say, man, if you follow me, this will happen, and this will happen, and this will happen. You'll get to see this, and you'll get to see me raised from the dead, and you'll get to see miracles. You'll get to see Lazarus raised from the dead. You will see things that you will never be able to see. He doesn't try to talk Andrew into it. He just says, come, and you'll see. Come, and you'll see. Isn't that so simple, yet it is so powerful? You will see things that you will never be able to see, but you won't see them without following Jesus. Because see, a lot of people want to follow Jesus. They come up and they, they, they ask, well, where are you staying, Jesus? Well, why should I follow you? And, and you hear all of this stuff and everything, but a lot of people don't follow him. They want to see it and then make up their mind later. But I'm here to tell you that you'll never see a miracle unless you're following Jesus. Now, Now, I didn't say that Jesus wouldn't provide a miracle. There's a, there's a, a, a famous uh, commencement speech by a guy, and you can actually buy it on Amazon, and it's, only, it's real short. It takes about 30 minutes to read it, but it's called This is Water. And during that commencement speech, the guy talks about uh, a story of two guys, one religious, one an atheist, and they're in Alaska. And they're sitting there, and they're having a religious discussion, as religious people and atheists do. And the atheist said, look, man, it's nothing against your God or anything like that. And, and, and I'm telling you that I don't believe in him, because, but don't think that I haven't tried it, because I have tried it. And the religious guy's like, you did? He goes, yeah, just a couple of weeks ago, I was out hunting, 
and I got turned around and a blizzard blew in and I mean I couldn't find my way I was turned around and I knew that if something didn't happen I was going to freeze to death so I hit my knees out there in the Alaskan wilderness with snow blowing everywhere and I clasped my hands together and I said God if you are real God if there is a God will you please rescue me and the religious guys were like well, you're here. He goes, yeah, but that's just because two Eskimos came along and found me. It wasn't God. See, that's what I'm talking about when I say you will not see the miracles of Jesus until you follow him because you'll just count it as something else. The, the world calls it luck or the world calls it success or the world calls things a number of ways. But to those who are Christ followers and they have given their lives to him, we follow him and we see that it's God working in our lives. We don't pass it off to dumb luck. We don't call we don't put it off onto hard work or anything. We know that the God of the universe that looked at Andrew and said, come and you will see, we have followed him and we know that it is Jesus that is paving the way to make us right with God and the only way to experience him is to follow him. Not to just know about him, not just to you know, have some Jesus baseball cards with his stats on the back, you know, raised five people from the dead, you know, batting a thousand. That's what a lot of people, they, they know Jesus from a baseball card, but they wouldn't know him if they ran into him. See, if you want to see all of this stuff, you're going to ask Jesus the question, where are you staying? And Jesus is going to say, come and you'll see. You've got to follow me to experience this. I can tell you about it, but it'll just go one, in one ear and out the other. And a lot of you have been wondering what you do now, man, you're starting to believe in Jesus. You know, you've heard him calling on your life. You're here for a reason. You're watching online for a reason. You're listening to the radio for a reason right now. And I'm telling you, it's because Jesus is telling you that same thing. Come and you'll see. Later on, Jesus says, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. But none of that is going to happen if you just sit back and wait and, 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 and try to wait for the good things. It doesn't happen like that. You will not understand Jesus' ways until you follow him because it's just going to sound like mumbo jumbo. Why does Jesus in Matthew 18, 15 say, man, if your brother offends you, go to that person and in, in, go to him in person and tell him what's wrong. Do you know how much better this world would be if people that even followed God just did that one thing and just men were men and women were women and if you had a problem with somebody you just walked up to them and said hey let's talk but no we don't do that man we put it on Facebook you know that, that uh, uh, passive aggressive you know let's talk in third person and my gosh don't you say that about me and rah, rah, rah. man forget all that but you won't understand why Jesus asked you to do that until you were following him Jesus' way is not the easy way, it's the hard way. But don't miss out on something amazing just because it might be difficult because Jesus' way is more difficult, but it's the right way. You will never see the miracles of Jesus, even though, even though they're happening. You will never see the miracles of Jesus without following him. You will not understand his ways without following him. You will not have hope without knowing what he has promised. Man, uh, hope means we put our hope in Christ because we know that this isn't heaven. This isn't even our home. We're just passing through on our way home. 
But most people are so anxious and, and stressed out because they're worried about right now. Now, I get caught up in that sometimes too, but this is not my home. This is not where I belong. I'm a stranger in a foreign land, man. My home is with God. And that's my hope is that on that day that, that, that my heart stops beating, that Jesus, right before my body dies, Jesus is going to yank me out of there because he died so that I didn't have to. My body's going to die, but my soul is going to be saved. And he's going to bring me up and he's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Get on in here, boy. Yes, sir. That's what I look forward to. Don't mourn me when I'm gone, man. See y'all later. I'm going up to be with my daddy. And you will not have a future without following him. Listen, this is the, this is the happiest and saddest news all, all rolled into one. You ain't getting to heaven without Jesus. And he loved you so much that he died on the cross for you. Loved you that much that he traded his perfection for our imperfection. And he says, man, I chose you, and if you'll choose me, I'm going to pave the road for you to come to God, spend eternity with no pain, with no sorrow, never get sick, no more cancer, no more death, nothing but perfection for eternity. Eternity is not, the, is not a length of time. It is without time. No more hunger, no more thirst. No more darkness, no more anxiety, no more depression, no more struggle, no more having to work so hard and not reaping the benefits of everything you put into it and not getting anything out of it, no more. But you're not going to get there by accident. And you can't be good enough. That's why Jesus came, to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. A lot of you, man, you've been struggling, you've been working, you've been, you know, listen, this is going to come as a shock to some of you. But the absence of sin doesn't make you a better Christian, okay? The absence of sin doesn't make you a better Christian. It's the presence of God in your life, not the absence of sin, okay? If you want to get rid of that sin that interrupts our relationship with God, then you just focus on God because so many people are focused on sin that they don't know why they can't get rid of it because that's all they think about. Focus on God. Follow Him. Come and you will see. I finished off my short stack of blueberry pancakes and headed to my apartment with a phone number in my hand. And I dialed one, followed by a 10-digit number, and I had to pay for it, because back then you had to pay for long-distance calls. And a fella answered the phone, and I said, Mr. Fitzsimmons? He said, yes. And I said, my name is Kevin Weatherby. Mike McMurray used to be my uncle. He was married to Gwen. And I said, he said, you're looking for a cowboy. He said, yeah, yeah, we are looking for some, looking for some help. And I said, well, I'd like to apply for that. He said, well, Jodine used to work on this ranch. Did you know that? And that was a cousin of mine. And I said, no, sir, I wasn't aware of that. And he goes, this place is better for having a weather beyond it, and having another one would be just fine. So when can you show up? I said, well, I'm at school at Texas Tech University, but as soon as this semester's over, I can be there that evening. <laughs> he said, well, do what you need to do, and when school's over, you just come on out, and we'll have a spot picked out for you in the bunkhouse. I was ecstatic. God had answered my prayer. And I couldn't wait to share that good news with the little lady that I planned on spending my entire life with. So I went to her dorm room. See, I had an apartment. She had a dorm room, and she had to come down and get me, and we went up. I said, hey, man, I got some good news. She said, what is it? And I said, I got offered a job on a ranch in South Texas. She said, you didn't take it, did you? That's not what I expected, you know. I mean, 
don't girls just fall at cowboys' feet and stuff like that? That's what I, you know, that's what I was expecting, and nothing happened like that. And it does it, by the way. Okay? Just so y'all want to be cowboys, it don't happen like that. She said, you didn't take it, did you? I said, why would you say that? She said, because if you leave, I will not wait on you. You take that job, you say goodbye to me. My whole heart was beating fast. You ever had that? What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And I said, well, shoot. That makes the job easy. And she said, so you're not going to take it? And I said, no. And I put my right arm right here on her left, my right hand on her left arm, and I squeezed it, and I said, I'll miss you. And I've talked to her one time since then, and that was at my 10-year reunion. The girl that I was going to marry, I turned around and walked off that day because when you follow God, it's going to cost you everything. It's not going to cost you everything all at once. But there was a rich young ruler that, that came up to Jesus and he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, keep all the commands. He said, I've done that already, man. Punch my golden ticket. He didn't actually say that, but that's what he meant. And Jesus said, but what, what, hang on just one second. One thing you still lack. He said, name it. He said, sell everything you own. Give it to the poor and then come and follow me and you will have eternal life. And the guy hung his head because he knew that he couldn't do that. He wasn't willing to give up everything. And he turned around and he walked away. See, following Jesus is going to cost you everything. I'm not up here to try to talk you into Jesus because if a guy can talk you into Jesus, a guy can talk you out of Jesus. I am not. I'm telling you right now that if you want to follow God, it's going to cost you everything and it will be worth it. I cannot tell you that if you give up this, that God's going to give you that, that if you give a hundred, he's going to give you a thousand, that if you give up that, you're going to get this. I, I have no idea on the specifics of, of your relationship with God, but I can tell you two things for certain, that it will cost you everything and it will be worth it. As a matter of fact, when we all get to heaven and we're all sitting around like this, we're going to be, hey, you remember that time? And, you know, we're going to think back on our hard times and, and think to ourselves, I would have done it a thousand million times. I'd go through it again to, to experience what I experience now of being one-on-one -on -one with God himself. But it will cost you everything. Back then, my everything was the girl that I thought I would marry, and thank God that I didn't because I wouldn't have the worst preacher's wife ever. That's, her, that's, her, that's what she calls herself. No, I, I don't call her that. Okay, I don't call her that. I think she's the best preacher's wife ever. She's not your typical preacher's wife by any means, and I wouldn't have it any other way. I love that girl with all my heart and all my soul. And I love all four of my kids and my granddaughter. But it will cost you everything. As a matter of fact, I, once I got married and I had Riley and Griffin, my dream was to raise my children on our ranch in Kynosa, Texas, and I was never going to leave. Man, I had my life planned out. I was a preacher. I was, man, everything was perfect. And then God said, would you trade all that and move to Colorado to a little podunk town? Sorry, but that's the truth. I sat across from Brad Henderson. He was the first person I met right at the pizza place. And I said, Brad, how many people come to a cowboy church in Kiowa, Colorado? And he, well, I got to go. No, he didn't say that. But I think he did have a heifer out, if I remember right. He said, I think within a year, about 50 or 60 will probably come. And I said, God didn't call me up here for 50 or 60. We'll have 250 within the first year. And he said, well, that is a bold prayer. That is a bold prayer. On Easter Sunday, 2012, 
within one year, we had 325 people. And that is the power of God. And that is what happened whenever I gave up my ranch in Texas and thought that I had given up everything. And I did. I don't have a ranch anymore. But instead of having my own ranch, now I cowboy on God's ranch that he lets me take care of. And what an honor it is. Because, see, you never give up anything. As a matter of fact, the last thing I had in Kynosa, Texas, was a double-wide trailer was the only thing I owned to my name and a blue double-cab Ford pickup. It's the only thing I owed, owned in my life, and the, and the double-wide was mortgaged. And I get a call one day, and it burned to the ground. And before I got home, the landlord that owned the ranch right out here, while I was still in Texas signing the insurance paperwork, he called me. He said, I need to talk to you. I said, okay. So whenever I got back, I thought he was going to throw us out and we were going to have to find somewhere else to live. And he said, would you like to buy this place? God had already provided a ranch in Colorado before my house had stopped smoking. See, following Jesus will cost you everything. Did you know in that day that that house caught on fire, I lost $80,000 that day because I couldn't afford the full coverage insurance and I just had payoff on it. And I only owed about 15,000 of that $105,000 double wide trailer. And the insurance company wrote me a check so I could turn it over to the mortgage. But I lost best $80,000 I ever lost in my life. See, following Jesus will cost you everything and it'll be worth it. And I know that some of you like me and there's still stuff that I'm holding on to. God doesn't, ask us to release all of it right away. But there's something that you're holding on to. There's some area of your life that you say, God, I want to follow you, but I'm still going to hold on to this. And you know what? Corey Ten Boom said, do not grasp anything so tightly that when God asks you to let it go, that you do not feel pain. What are you holding on to? Because following Jesus is going to cost you everything. Everything. Because that's what he gave up for on the cross. He gave everything up for you. I took that job and it was the best decision I ever made. I've gone from working on ranches for people to running a ranch for God and I go around and I cowboy and instead of gathering cows now they're now I gather cowboys and cowgirls for God's outfit instead of my own. I've got the greatest life that ever existed but make no mistake about it it is not an easy life. But don't you dare miss out on something amazing that God has planned just because I tell you that it'll be difficult, because it will be. But nothing, nothing great is ever easy, but it is worth it. But I'm not going to sit up here and try to talk you into it, because like I said, if I can talk you into it, somebody else can talk you out of it. But if you want to experience it, there's only one way. Come and you will see. The entire gospel is summed up in that message right there. Come and you will see. In Psalm 37, verse 4, the second part, God said, the psalmist says, God will give you the desires of your heart. And a lot of you, if you've been a Christian for very long, you've probably heard that or read that. God will give you the desires of your heart. And you're like, well, man, my list is about this long of the desires of my heart. I need that living quarter horse trailer. I need a new house. Blah, 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 blah. But listen, we got to read that in context. Because I'd always wanted to be a cowboy. But me becoming a cowboy that day led me on a journey to where I found the true desire of my heart. And that is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Cowboying is not the desire of my heart. Being a cowboy could care less. 
I feel fortunate that I get to cowboy for the Lord. But He is the reason. He is the journey. My life is not about being a cowboy. My life is about following Jesus Christ and telling y'all about Him. That is my life. He will give you the desires of your heart. But if we read that verse in context, understand this, that the full verse says this, Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. And if He is the desire of your heart, you will guarantee that you'll get Him. And your life will be changed forever. I never said your life would be easy. A bunch of you has heard that prosperity gospel. Man, just come to Jesus and your financial problems will be fixed and your anxiety will go away. That's crap. It is. Sorry. But it'll be worth it. And I'm not trying to talk you into it. I'm saying come and you'll see. I know you're apprehensive. And I know some of you, like I said, have been following for a long time, but there's still that area, man, that you, you're just not letting go of. I'm telling you today that Jesus is saying, drop that and come and follow me. Come and you will see because see, Jesus is the only one who can bring you peace because I know how anxious your heart's been. I, I, I may not know the specific fear that you have, but I can see it and God knows it. And you know how much it affects your life, how you wake up in the middle of the night worried about this and you're worried about how this is gonna happen and that's gonna happen. But see, Jesus is the only one who can bring your heart peace. As a matter of fact, Jesus is the only one that can fulfill your heart. And all those dreams of, of jobs and positions and this and that and this and that that you want, man, forget about all of those, man. They may come, they may not. But the one thing that will fulfill you is a relationship with God. And I'm not saying that you got to quit everything. I'm not. But you put your focus on Jesus Christ. Come and you'll see. Jesus is the only one who can bring you purpose. Man, if your identity is found in a, in a, in a lid or a pair of boots or, or a horse or a, a buckle or anything like that, man, forget all that. Put your identity in Christ and you put your focus on Him. And you don't worry about what everybody else is doing. You follow Jesus because He's got a, he's got a message for you today. Come and you'll see. He's going to turn around and walk off and He's going to leave you standing there or you can follow him because I guarantee you what he's not going to sit there and do stand there and beg you to come because what he did up on that cross was enough if that was the only thing he ever did for us it would be worth it but he's willing to do more but if you want more than that man you got to come and you'll see one little verse John chapter 1 verse 39 the entire gospel come and you will see come follow me if you want to experience God, that is the only way. He's the only one that can bring you peace. He's the only one that can fulfill your heart. He's the only one that can bring you purpose. And He's the only one that can get you into eternity. What are you going to have to lay down? I can guarantee you that whatever it is, at some point in your life, if you do lay it down, you will say, no matter if it's a house, a ranch, a fiance, uh, and I'm not telling you to leave your wife or your kids. I'm not saying that, okay? But no matter what you give up, it will never be more than you get in return in a different way most of the time. But Jesus has a message for each and every one of you today. When we ask, where are you staying? He says, come and you'll see. Don't wait, just like Abe talked about. This is the only thing that you should never wait on. 
is following Jesus. And you can start today. I don't care, man, if you're the lowest of the low, that you've done more things wrong than, than, than anybody on the history of the earth. You are as close to God as saying, God, I'll follow you. Starting right now. I will turn from that life of wickedness that I used to leave, and I will start following you. Come, and you will see. You'll do a lot of waiting on the Lord, but don't wait on that. Let's go to him in prayer. Father, forgive us where we have failed you. We have worshiped other things, and God, we've been gone out on our own, following our own dreams and wishes for far too long. Let us turn back to you. Let us renew our vow in our hearts and come back into the fold. Let us trade the grave that we deserve for the grace we do not. And may we have the strength and the courage that when we come to you and you walk off and you wave at us and say, come and you'll see that we'll have the courage to step out in faith and do just that. And it's in Jesus' name I pray.